While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Hello again. Good morning. Hey, we are continuing our series this morning. We are calling it Bible Stories for Grownups because we are going through some of the most popular stories that many of us heard as kids growing up, such as the story of Noah today. But I have a question for you to see as we get started in Noah's story. How many of you guys would visit your family members, like extended family members during the summertime? Anybody? Okay. I did not grow up near my grandparents or my aunts and uncles and cousins. So summertimes was always the time we would go and see our extended family and spend time together. And my family, I'm not sure how your family is, but my family likes to tell stories. They're, they're storytellers. So oftentimes there would be moments around the pool or after dinner, um, just spending time together, hearing and telling stories. You know, like the stories of your family. Does your family have any of those stories that like get retold over and over and over again? You're like, gosh, we heard that one, Grandma. Yeah, my family loved to just talk about stories and some of the funny ones, you know, that we would constantly laugh about how my mom was originally set up with my uncle, my dad's older brother instead of him and how she had to tell my uncle she didn't like him, but she liked his younger brother and you know, we laugh about that, giggled about those stories or about how my mom in high school threw a party when her parents were out at like a benefit dinner. And the only way they found out about it was because there were buckets and buckets of fried chicken that she had stored in the extra refrigerator. And they wondered why there would be so much fried chicken left over. And so she confessed. So we laugh about like all these little kitschy stories and you probably have your own like family stories. But then sometimes we go from those kind of funny stories, comical things that we all still laugh about, to telling deep stories of our family, how we came together. And a story of how my grandmother, she lived during the Great Depression and how that devastated her family and the journey that they went on to kind of rebuild their life, moving from where they were from to start over again. How my grandparents met actually on a blind date and were married six weeks later and put together two families. This was their second marriage, so four kids and five kids and how they created this new family and the struggles and difficulties with that. And we love telling those stories. And I think all humans are natural storytellers because stories oftentimes remind us who we are. They're identity markers for us. They remind us where we've come from, what, um, what has led us to this point. But more often, they also show us a picture or glimpse of where we're going. And so stories in our lives serve as these anchors. It's why we tell stories as humans. 
And the story of Noah is one of those stories. It has fascinated people for centuries and centuries, but it has always served as, as a grounding story of faith and of why we exist, why we are here, where we have come from, and thus where also we are going. Now, the story of Noah, you do not have to ever have set foot in a church to probably have encountered this story because it has been remade into movies, books. It has been the mural maybe in your nursery growing up. It has captivated artists. I mean, you can, we know this scene. There's the big boat, there's the rainbow, there's the man with the beard and all the animals. You know, it has captured our imaginations for centuries, lots of rain, you know, tumultuous seas, and God helped all of these animals and people survive this devastating event. We all know something of Noah's Ark. But this story over time, I think, has become hard to engage for many of us. It might be a grounding story of our faith, a story that shows us where we've come from and gives us some clue as to the journey that we're on. But for many of us, we have lost that sense of power, that poignancy in the story. And this is why I think that is. We have gotten stuck in this debate here. And maybe if you have grown up in church or religion, you're familiar with this struggle and this debate. The question that we end up coming to the story of Noah with is, did this actually happen? We have moved from what does this story mean for my life? What is it telling me about God and the world and my place here to simply asking, did this actually happen? And if it did, did it happen the way scripture says it did? And if it did, can you prove that? And if you can't prove that, why would you say that? And if you can't prove that, can you prove anything in this book called the Bible? And can you prove anything in faith? This story has kind of been entrapped in this debate around its historicity. So, and I don't know if you have felt that. I, I grew up in a family who I was taught to believe that this story was historically accurate. Like went to the creation museums. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you after church. Um, because the story was also tied, not just, it wasn't isolated to just what happened in a boat in an ark during some massive flood. The story was also tied to the creation of the world and the way in which many religious people and Christians especially viewed the way God had brought about all things into existence. So it, it's kind of this, for many people, this linchpin story that if, if you don't believe this thing is historical, then the, all the dominoes fall from there. But I don't think that's quite the best way to look at this story. And, and for me, I can attest to the fact that that actually did more harm for me in engaging the story and actually engaging my faith, being told I had to believe that not only was this story true, but that this story proved some of the other stories and scriptures. 
And, and maybe you can relate to that tension. Noah's art kind of has become the litmus test in some religious circles for if you are actually religious or faithful to your religion, your Christianity, or not. But I don't think when we do that, I, I don't think that that leads us into deeper faithfulness as so many well-meaning people think it does. Because the people who tell us those things are not, most of the time, not doing so from a place of ill will towards faith or towards us. It's, it's out of respect, honestly. I believe, and more good-natured and wanting us to take seriously what the Bible means for us today and how it can shape our lives. However, when we get into this stilted literalism of if this story happened the way it says it did or at all and get stuck in those details, we often miss the point of the story. You can believe this story actually happened exactly like it says in scripture and completely miss the whole reason this story has captured the imaginations and hearts of people for centuries and centuries and centuries. So I don't know where you are with the Noah story, with a flood and animals and God rescuing people in an ark in 40 days of rain or not. Maybe you do believe it is historical, but if you don't, Here's your out. You don't have to. You don't have to believe this story actually historically happened for it to have meaning. And in fact, even if you do believe the story historically happened, I'm gonna ask you to maybe consider and look at it as a story and ask yourself the question, if it didn't historically happen, because we often assume that if it historically happened, you have to tell the world, you know, and that's why we retell the story. But if it didn't happen, and it was just a story that people wrote and told and passed throughout the world, why would they tell this story? Why would you write and share this story with everyone in the world? It's a rather odd story. So why tell the story? It's powerful, but problematic at times as well. And so wherever you fall with the story, whether for you it's historical or it's just a myth, it has a message for all of us. And I think to get to that message, considering why would someone tell such a story in the first place helps lead us there and has helped me in my journey of processing, what do I do with this story? Now I'm gonna read it for you. Maybe it's been a while. And then I wanna share a little bit about the story in general and maybe why somebody might tell such a weird story and why it has continued to survive for centuries. So here is the story. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Because the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil 
all the time. The Lord began to regret that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But the Lord said to Noah, make yourself an ark and I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain stopped falling from the sky and the water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. So Noah came out with his sons and his wives and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, Everything that moves on land came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I am making between me and you and every living creature, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all of life. There's the story, the end. <laughs> you may go home now. <laughs> no, this story, maybe for you that's the first time you've read it in a long time since you were a kid. Maybe you are thinking like I did when I started going back over the story a few months ago. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's kind of strange. If if this didn't actually happen and someone had to tell us about it or felt the need to tell us about it because it was simply historical, if it was a story that the ancient Hebrew people passed on, wrote, and shared, why did they tell it? It's an interesting, captivating story, but nothing from just that reading strikes many of us at first reading, right? Other than its strangeness. Here's the deal with this story. And maybe you've heard this because I remember first hearing this in college. Joy, did you know that there are plenty of flood stories? That the one in Genesis is not the only flood story out in the world? 
I was told that by well-meaning college peers and a few professors to remind me that my faith at this point in my life was becoming irrelevant, that the stories of Jesus and the stories especially of floods didn't have any import into my real practical everyday life. They were just the stuff I was given or maybe brainwashed as a kid because joy, there are plenty of stories that tell the exact same tale as this one from the Sumerians, the Babylonians, the um, African cultures throughout all centuries have been telling stories of great floods and they sound almost identical to this story. So your biblical story must not really be true, first off, and second off, if they're gonna tell a story, they just ripped off another one. I remember thinking that like, gosh, why would we tell this story if everyone else has told it already? And does it take away from this story that we have? But one thing that we see throughout scripture, especially, and becomes most apparent in this Noah story, is that even if there are other stories like this out in the world that are similar, the few things that make this story different, make all of the difference and tell the world a completely different story about God. See, all the other flood stories that exist out there were to explain oftentimes why there were such things as floods and rain and tumultuous storms. So they served that purpose just to help people understand what was going on in the world and the lack of meteorology and science at that time. But they often also talked about the way in which the gods who they believe did exist in some capacity engaged with humanity and all of these stories when they talk about the gods, the divine ones in the world, whoever they may be, whatever these stories called them, they often talked about floods coming at the hands of these gods because they were frustrated, irritated at humanity. Still, sounds pretty similar to the Noah story. But what starts to become different is that these gods aren't saddened by the violence like we hear and read of the Hebrew God. They're not saddened by the state of the world, they're annoyed by people. And see, in their accounts, humans were just created to be the slaves and workers of the gods and achieve their ends. And here, people are getting on their nerves, basically. But in the story of Noah, you see a God heartbroken at the violence against others, that this was not the image of the world in which I created, that it is descending into darkness and violence and brokenness against people, discrimination, hatred. That's not the world I made. You can almost hear God. I didn't make it to be this way. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan. And so you have a God who created a beautiful, life-giving world, frustrated that it, people have chosen another way. That's different. You get a God too that doesn't just send a flood to wipe out everyone, though that's what that God says they will do in this Noah story, right? And all the other gods and all the other stories say this. 
you find a God looking for someone to favor. None of the other gods and other flood stories look for someone to favor, to bless, to save. But this God says, you know, humanity may be lost, but there's got to be somebody to find that we can start again. Because this God is concerned with starting again, not just pushing the end button on everything. And if you continue to look at the comparisons between other flood stories in the ancient world and this Noah story, you begin to see that the reason the people told this story, the reason this story, sometimes as problematic as it is, was so popular and powerful is because it reframed for the entire world how they viewed God. No other story of God at that time ever mentioned the word covenant. No divine God would build a, a nation, a group of people to have a relational oath with. A covenant is basically an oath, a relational um, bond between two people or two parties in which they commit to one another and saying, your well-being is connected to my well-being. No one in the history of the world had ever talked about a God and said a God wanted to have a relationship with us. It wanted our well-being to be tied up in theirs, and then this story comes on the scene. Why do they tell this story? Why does this similar story make it onto the pages of history and extend into the world today and continue to be spread? Because it changed everything. It changed everything. And don't miss this. Maybe, maybe you've gotten a little bored with the story of Noah, it's not for you, but come back, come back. Because do not miss this point of the story because it is the power of the story. This story, the reason people told it was because they were set about to create a new world. They were telling you and I, the God of this group of people, this God that has entered the world stage in creating humanity is saddened by anything that takes away from the goodness of creation, but that God will work toward making it new. That God will not fully abandon us to our own vices. That God won't leave us even when we are worth leaving, even when we go the other way. That God is in this world, made this world, and will not ever abandon it. This God will do whatever it takes to remake this world because this God has made a covenant with us and has tied his well-being to our very own. No one, no one had ever told that story. They might have told flood stories, they might have told similar details in those stories, but no one had ever said, there is a God who is for you. There is a God who knows you. There is a God that will do whatever it takes 
to find favor with you and to partner with you and humanity and making this world like God initially imagined it to be. What to you and I feels like sometimes a barbaric or primitive story was a radically progressive story hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago because for the first time ever in this story, it was declared to the world that guess what? God's not against you. God is not out to get you. God is for you. And the incredible thing is that God in this story says, not only will I make my covenant with you, but he tells Noah and his family, this will be the sign. He says, whenever you see a rainbow in the sky, in the clouds, this will be your reminder that I have committed myself to your well-being and to the well-being and flourishing of all people and things. This will be my reminder of the people you are supposed to be because this is the God that I am. What we find in scripture and it becomes so fascinating to me is that actually the Hebrew word from which we get rainbow, actually it, it, it talks about a bow and arrow. It's the word for an archer's bow. And many commentators have said that that is such a powerful sign because what God has done by saying, I have put my bow in the sky is laid down his weapon. He has taken retaliation off the table because the rainbow looks like an upside down archer's bow. So the arrow then would not be pointed at humanity, but would be pointed at God an artist did a rendering to display this. And I love that because isn't that the story of God? That God is for us so much. God is for us even at God's own expense. God takes getting us back off the table. God says, I will come after you even if it hurts me. And what we see is in hundreds of years after the story is first told, is that then Jesus comes on the scene, God in the flesh, and lays down his life, is his life is taken at the violence of humanity, the very violence that God in the beginning of the story is disheartened by but it is the visual representation of God saying, I will do whatever it takes to be with you and to be for you, to never leave you, nor abandon you, nor abandon the vision for this world that I have created. It is worth my own life and I will not take yours. I'd rather give mine than take yours. That is radically different. That makes this story everything for us because today in 2022, saying God is for you is not a new concept. It is the way God has always decided to be from this story on. He said, no more, no more will I see your brokenness and it will turn me away. It will only draw me closer. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? 
visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.